Welcome back to Sloydcast. This is your host, Mark Angelini, and I'm joined with or by <laughs> Mike Hanna, 60K Sloyd. Yeah. Who has a vanity plate on his truck that says 60K. Or says six, 6K Sloyd. 6K Sloyd. Yeah, he's got the discount version. I can't his. fit all the characters on one plate. Um, and today we have uh, the a very wonderful guest with us, uh, Julia Kaltoff, and I probably totally slaughtered that in the Swedish form, but that's how we say it here in America. <laughs> um, it works. It works good. Welcome yeah. to Sloydcast. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Um, so can you start off by telling us where you live and just give us a little bit of a, a rundown of what your life is like? I know a lot of people know who you are, but you know, just give us a little bit of a, a background. Okay. Uh, well, I live in Stockholm in a little cabin in the forest just outside of town. Nice. And uh, every day I go into my workshop in Stockholm mm-hmm. and uh, make access. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely life. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. It's really nice. Um. um so is, is is axe making your full time uh, vocation? Yes, it is. That's um, it's been for three years, I think. Cool. Yeah, or per- perhaps two and a half. I'm not sure. <laughs> time flies, huh? Yeah. Yeah, time flies. It feels really weird when I think about it. Um, that it it's already three and a half years. Mm. Uh, since I, I, I since I launched the axe and <laughs> and since then I've just made the same axe again and again and again. It's <laughs> it's weird, but it's yeah. also nice. I like um I like to make serious. I mean to do the same thing over and over again. I think it's a nice meditation to do that. Mm. So I have many opportunities to meditate in my life. Very nice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So how did you, what's your journey look like uh, to where you are now? How did you get into the whole green woodworking, Sloyd tool making realm? Um, so I got the idea to, um, t- to try forging when I was 19 years old. Mm. And, um, or actually I started before that because my mom had a fabric shop when I was a kid. So I was very like crafty and I always went to her shop after school and Hmm. did all sorts of things. And then, so in relation to fabric, metal is very mystical and Mm -hmm. uh, weird. Like I did not Mm -hmm. understand how it's possible for a person to like, you heat the metal and then with your own muscle power, you can move and like reshape the metal mm. and then it will stay like that for thousands of years i, I just <laughs> yeah so it's impossible <laughs> what <laughs> i don't understand it. yeah and then also the whole thing that you get all sooty in your face and you, it's like very i've always liked to um like fire and you use your body very much i like that it's physical and yeah so it was just the idea that uh, I'm probably going to like this. And then I tried mm. it and I got completely blown away uh, with everything. Mm. Uh, and I also remember because I was, huh? I said, that's great. That's lovely. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, and this was uh, by a coincidence, the forging class I took was at an axe factory, uh, and that was Gransfors Brooks, hmm. yeah. Swedish big axe factory. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I got into access, and then, uh, and then I yeah, so I stayed there for many years, and it was when we, when we're working on like, what is the difference between good and bad access? Then you have to research wood, and I got more and more curious about wood uh, mm-hmm. and green wood because, as mystical and, um, uh, how should you put it? Um, well, unavailable or like the metal is very very complex to work yeah. with but in uh, opposition to that wood is just fresh and clean mm-hmm. and uh, very very different uh, mm-hmm. so when I have researched axes and like how to make good axes I have changed and be i now i see myself as a wood person and i really uh. like to work in green wood and that's also why i wanted to make a carving axe okay. uh, because okay. i love carving and if like if the whole business fails then i will at least have a carving axe so i can <laughs> carve. <laughs> that's what i thought wow so i used to do that that's great yeah so do you um i mean I haven't, I've never held or used one of your axes, um, but from what I've gathered, it looks like a really nice axe for spoon carving, um, or even bowl turning. Um, just from, I guess from afar, it's almost like a smaller (laughs) version of the Grand Spores carving axe. That's what I would describe it as. Maybe that's not a very good description, but. Yeah, well, it is a carving axe, so it's similar to other carving axes, of course. Yeah. I assume, I assume it sounds like having the experience you have, I assume a lot of research went into designing the axe and, and refining all the different variables, the weight and handle shape and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that process like? Well, so my, uh, idol, my carving idol is Beth Moen. Do you know her? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So she's like super cool uh, person and she makes bowls so right. when you make bowls you have to axe a lot so she is very technical and good at axing and mm. she's also very has very good integrity i think so mm. like if i thought that if i cooperate with her she's not going to say that the axe is good if it's not good <laughs> so I, great person yeah uh, so i went to her and uh, we started discussing her different axes and like her preferences. And then we agreed on some basic, like the weight and um, mm. uh, yeah, I think we all we agreed about the weight. And then I like, I looked at her favorite uh, axe that she had and that's okay. I'm aiming for something like that. Mm. Um, and then I started to forge, forge axe heads and uh, send to her and uh, she would come uh, with feedback like send it back to me with changes and then we went back and forth for for uh, six months and uh, yeah so (laughs) a lot of (laughs) fine-tuning but it's really a trial and error uh, process and i mean she perhaps she had an idea for a 
to change something and uh, most of the times I just like took her change it but uh, sometimes I came with another version that wasn't what she suggested and she said oh great this was even better and that oh nice <laughs> yeah so uh, um, yeah so after six months we were both happy with it and uh, and then it was the whole process of like uh, taking it into production like uh, communicating with my forge and like ma making them uh, trust me and understand what I want and all that stuff and like finding ash uh, the wood and the, make the leather cover and like all the little like just because you design an axe and you have a good axe it doesn't mean you can make it like that sure mm -hmm. uh, yeah so that took another like six months to do that and wow. during this time we continued to fine-tune the axe I mean I would uh, towards the end it was just the handle that I tweaked so yeah, it could yeah. be that I'm going to bed and like oh, no I just have to go out and carve another <laughs> axe handle <laughs> before <laughs> before bed so I I carved a lot of axe handles and I, I still think it's a wonderful shape to carve like if I just if I'm just going to carve something for fun I right. really enjoy to carve an axe handle huh. <laughs> I hate carving axe handles that's funny. You do? I, I really what? enjoy it myself. Yeah, I've, I mean, it's it's a very tricky process. Like, I mean, it's not easy, especially fitting the head onto the handle and understanding yeah. the grain. <laughs> you know, when I first started yeah. doing it, I was I was mainly doing it with a draw knife, and you know, it, mm -hmm. it's not a, a draw knife is not always gonna. I mean, it'll help you rough it out, but you do need to have some mm -hmm. more specialized tooling, like uh, a spoke shave, right? Like, and a different yeah. types different types of spoke shaves and so forth, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I've 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 had a try at it a few mm -hmm. times, and uh, I've I've made some some good axe handles, but I do like making hammer handles. So since <laughs> mm -hmm. I forge a lot now, most of what I do is hammer handles, and they're they're pretty fun. Mm -hmm. They're pretty fun to carve. See, mm -hmm. I'm the opposite. I love carving the axe handles. It's it's so fun. Yeah. Um, but you need a. You, are you doing it in a in a uh, in a vice on a bench or you, you have use, a specialty i like, just use my shave horse and a draw knife yeah well, I, I mean i use an axe too but right i noticed i think in one of your instagram posts julia you had some sort of uh specialized maybe horse for for the axe handle correct me if I'm yeah wrong. yeah we call it the handle horse <laughs> <laughs> the nice. handle horse nice. uh, so okay. it, yeah it's like a shave horse but it holds um it doesn't cram the wood um mm. cramps it from the ends of the handle so oh, you yeah. can work 360 degrees around it sure yeah nice it's actually really good it's good for making anything like you could use it for spoons as well i guess yeah you can yeah, i've seen people yeah. use something like that for knife handles right can you can yeah. you take us through the process like what do you start with are you doing you know are you axing out the the blank are you then moving to a draw knife and then eventually spoke shave or are you using any uh, any sandpaper at the end or like what kind of tooling are you, uh, are you using no so when we make the, um, the the series we start by uh, okay so we start start by sawing the um, the um, billet uh, uh -huh. and and making it standing grain because it's not always that the grain is exactly like i get it when i like when i get the wood from the sawmill uh -huh. 
can be a little off. So we sure. start by doing that and then uh, send it to the, um, uh, to the, what do you call that? Cal? Turning shop. Okay. So I have a, an axe turning shop in Småland, which they are completely specialized in turning axe handles and they do oh, the axe handles for Gransfors and Wetterlings and Hultefoss for, for everyone in Sweden. Nice. Uh, so they, they, ma- they like make the rough shaping of my axe handles as well, but they are not allowed to do the end knob because I don't think they saw it as I wanted. So mm-hmm. then they sent it back to us and we saw the end knob on the bandsaw and then we used the belt sander to uh, shape because when you just saw it on the bandsaw it's not uh, it's pretty rough so yeah, we, sure. we used uh, yeah so belt sander after that only on the end knob and then we shave off the entire surface and take it down to the right measurements because because it's an old copy turning machine so it can differ quite a lot Mm. Uh, sometimes they're thicker and sometimes thinner so we take it down to my measurements which which is 26 and 34 millimeters Mm. Um, yeah and uh, then we oil with linseed oil and wax with uh, bees wax and linseed oil nice yeah Wow, what a process. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ha- so uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah, well, but if I if I would carve an axe handle with an axe, then I would just carve it with an axe and then finish it with knife. And I just recently started to use a spoke shave as well. Hmm. It's actually I don't know why I haven't done that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so spoke shaves are fun to use. Yeah, they're great. So I make them two ways. Nice. Obviously, yeah. there's a production way, and there's you know like you know I'm gonna do this uh, for my new axe head uh, way. Yeah. Of, you know, if you're just doing it yeah. at home or so forth. Mm. And how are you? How are you wedging the axe heads onto the the handles? Are you uh, are you using some sort of press, or uh, and are you use, obviously you're using a wedge? On yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, a wedge, and and then I have a log that I carved um uh, slot in the log that is shaped like an upside down axe head so i just um put the axe head and the handle in there and i hit it and mm. then the the axe head sticks out so there are some w- some room for the uh, no the, the handle sorry the axe handle sticks out there are right. some room for that hmm. and then i just turn it around and and have some glue and wedge and i slam it nice <laughs> my hardest <laughs> so you're doing you're doing all this by hand you're not using a hydraulic yes. press or anything like that no i don't but i'm thinking about uh, perhaps not the hydraulic press but i'm thinking that i sh- i need to i need to change it because i'm like wearing out my shoulders or i mm. need to like go to the gym and build really huge muscles so i can <laughs> Yeah. manage to do that for the rest of my life like it's very right. yeah it's interesting i think with like working by hand working with the craft that right. you're using your body as a resource right. so you mm-hmm. have to have to be smart and not not wear it too much 
Yeah, you only that's, have one body. That's a good point, actually. The yeah. um, past couple of years, I've been, uh, I've carved probably the most stuff I've ever carved in my life, like in mm. pretty short time periods. And mm. um, I ended up having some issues with pinched nerves in my shoulders, mm. uh, mm-hmm. mainly my one, my one shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. And I never used to w- really work out necessarily. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize that, um, just like you're saying, by doing what I was doing, I was strengthening certain muscles at the expense of others. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so the past probably a year, about two years now, I've been um, slowly increasing uh, some different exercise routines. And it's helped mm. tremendously with the issues I was having because I was having a lot of imbalances. Like my uh, my chest muscles were far stronger than my back muscles. And that was what was leading to the mm. pinched nerve because my basically this, the tension that the muscle is putting on my shoulders um right. and it's pretty it's, it's it's been really interesting it doesn't probably uh also has something to do with turning getting into my 30s and getting a little bit older too but mm-hmm. um, yeah me too i feel so old <laughs> <laughs> but when it, i have back pain yeah mm. but i have noticed it's an interesting subject i know some carvers that have more notoriety out there like emmett von Drush, he he talks a lot about this but yeah um mm-hmm. it's just an interesting point that you know, it's a whole body practice that we're doing. You know, it's not just, even though you're doing this motion over and over, there's so many muscles in this. There's so much, uh, uh, body mechanics involved in it that, um, I feel like it's, it's easy to get out of balance and then have these issues show up. Sure. Mm. So I just think that's an interesting point to bring up that like as a woodworker, especially doing hand powered, mostly, um, you almost like have to train outside of that to compensate. Yeah, you have for... to. Yeah. My physiotherapist said you have to be a lot stronger than you need to mm-hmm. to do this. Like I can't work at my hundred percent right. capacity. I have to work at like fifty percent. Right, right, right. I'm not using my muscles like my the strongest. I can't hit the strongest I can mm-hmm. every week. The right. same, same movement. Are you mm. with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here. Yeah, yeah. It's a, mm. it's a it's. I feel like it's something that um, definitely gets overlooked. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is true. I think this is true for, for example, I'm in the farming world. This is very true in farming. I mean, so many people wear their bodies out, bending yeah. over or, you name it, any repetitive uh, motion. If you don't counteract mm-hmm. it with strengthening the opposite muscle groups, then right, you'll end up, you know. 20, 30 years down the line with all these different issues because it just compounds over time. And, yep. yep. Um, yeah. Actually, I, we've we've talked a lot about maybe doing a special episode where we talk about these subjects. Like, yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. it's not only like physical strength and, and um, building, you know, stronger yeah. muscles and tendons and all that, but there's also like a, a diet, nutritional aspect to it as well. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway. It's a whole rabbit hole we could go down with that. <laughs> but yeah. I guess I guess to 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 sum it all up, take care of your body. Yeah. It's the only it's the only one you got. Mm, definitely. So do you outside of your axe making, do you have uh some sort of practice that you do regularly to help you with your strength? Um I go to um how do you say Jimpa. It's like what the old ladies do, like <laughs> nice. aerobics, but more geeky. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. 
So I think these old ladies, they they are role models for me because they are very um, have good physical condition and they're like mm. happy and they come there every week. Mm, so that's I, cool. I figure if I go there once or twice a week and I like I look at it like I reset my body. Oh, so nice. if I did something weird like planing, I always get the back pain mm, if I'm oh, planing. Yeah. And then after I go to the gym, I feel normal again. Right. So it's right. like muscles are back where they should be. That's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I don't uh, go to the gym like uh, with weight lifting weights or sure. stuff like that. Right. No, I don't like that. Yeah, that's not my style either. Mm. I'm, I, I really like calisthenics, just body weight exercises and mobility yeah. exercises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. stretching just like body weight strength training basically yeah um, bringing things back into balance is important yeah yeah because I, I do I, I mean obviously as we were saying what we do in crafts creates imbalances whether you're hammering with your right hand all the time or, right or you're carving with your right hand all the time or if you're lefty right so like you're, there's a lot of imbalances happening while you do that repetitive motion and to create mm-hmm. the balance and bring all that back uh, you have to go out and exercise the opposite side or or stretch, you know, mm-hmm. and relieve some of that tension and uh, that you're putting on those uh, ligaments and muscles. Yeah. Yeah, my right arm is huge compared to the left <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually noticed that on the pole lathe because I, I push with my left leg. Right. Um, yeah. My calf mu- or my, well, my calf and my um, thigh muscles were like just so much stronger than in my right leg. Sure. Uh, yeah. which is weird because right's my dominant side it's mm. just it's so interesting the cra- yeah that's a whole like i said that's a whole nother rabbit hole we could go yeah. down mm. um so uh i was curious about the forging process of the axes um how what does that look like yeah so i cooperate with the forge in arvika in uh, western sweden and they have the forging method that i want to use for the axes mm. that's called the uh, die forging and okay. uh, with die forging, if you compare to like, uh, well, the other Swedish big forges or like smaller uh, blacksmiths, then it's faster, a faster process. And uh, so like at Grandsworth and Wetterlings, they have like 10 different tools. And right. here we only have like four different tools. Oh. So this allows for really like pampering the steel because you know yeah because you forge you know this but every time you heat the steel right. it will change the ingredients like the alloys in the steel the, and, the grain uh, structure right yes the grain structure mm-hmm. and if you heat it without working on it it will um the uh, atoms will like group together and the steel will be less homogene mm-hmm. and uh, be weaker so yeah. if you heat it you, with this method you you only need to heat it to i think it's uh 1000 um, no 1150 degrees okay. so it's not very hot mm-hmm. and then you are done before uh, long before it goes down to 600 because you know 600 degrees 
Yeah, the, you can you translate this to your uh, numbers? Yeah, you I was don't. just thinking about that. <laughs> are you call, are you talking yeah. Celsius, six hundred degrees Celsius? Yeah, Celsius. So, yeah, so six hundred. That's when. Okay. Uh huh. That's when it become black. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's so planish. What they call it, what we call planishing heat. You know, just it's uh-huh. not. It's you can't hit it hard. You can maybe just you know work out the kinks. Yeah. 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 Well, so. <clears throat> If you forge the blade when it's black, you can um, you can uh, get uh, stress fractures. Yes. So when you harden it, it will crack. Right. Yeah. So with my so I have because I use this uh, forging method, I can choose um, higher quality steel. So I have like edge steel in the entire axe like if it would be laminated yeah so um and it's really pampered so it's not changed well of course it's changed because it's forged but it's not changed in a minimal change uh, is what i want and then the hardening is also really like very much by the book so uh holding time 30 minutes Mm -hmm. in um hardening temperature which is i don't know if, if it's uh, unusual but i have the feeling that it's unusual because most people just um 30 minutes they hold it at hardening temperature yes hmm. yes so what are they what are they hardening uh, it in are they using uh, some sort of uh, in, you know oil the, or i'm sorry yeah they quench in oil okay but i mean 30 minutes at hardening temperature and then you hmm. quench it Oh, I see. That. They hold they hold the the metal at that hardening temperature yes. for thirty minutes yes. before they quench it. Hmm. Yes, and okay. this is because all the atoms have to have time to go to their new place in the structure. Mm. Right, right. Are right. You, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The 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 the, the metal grain has to. They all have to change to what they need to be before the quench. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you can you can just heat it and hold it for 10 seconds, mm-hmm. but then it will not be as homogene as mm-hmm. if you wait for 30 minutes. Interesting, so it, okay. Yeah. So this is, what and type this, of steel, sorry, what type of steel are you are you using? Well, a tool steel uh, okay. with pr- pretty low carbon. Okay. Um, only 0.52% carbon, and oh, then I have, all, yeah it's pretty high alloyed. So I have hmm. alloys that are increasing the ability to harden, hardenability. I don't know what you say in English, mm-hmm. but it, because I want it to 58 Rockwell. Right. So with this low uh, carbon, I can get it up to 58 thanks to the other alloys Right. without the negative side effects of high carbon content because if it's too high carbon content, it will be uh, brittle. Right. Mm. So, and I also have alloys that are making it tough. Sure. So I, I want to have a very tough and hard axe, but not, I mean, not harder than 58. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's um, optimal, I think. Yeah. Huh. 58, 58 so, is a pretty, pretty good hardness for, for a tool, I think. Especially. Yeah. Yeah, and I uh, I have um, I have a friend and uh, advisor that is a Norwegian doctor in edge tool metallurgy. His name is Fredrik wow. Agnesson. Yeah, he is incredible. So he, with his help and advice, I have 
come up with this whole idea how it should hmm. be made okay yeah that's amazing so you've put a lot of thought into the the metallurgical side and the just the whole yes alchemy if yeah. you will yeah <laughs> I, I did yeah. have another sorry yeah go ahead. alchemy i like that yeah. <laughs> i had another alchemy. question about you said it was you, you described it as dye forging so does that so does it involve yeah. does it involve starting with a you know with a billet and then forging it on a on a power hammer or a press or are they how is how is the metal being shaped? Yes, with a well. What's the difference between a power hammer and a press? It's the same thing. Well, right, right. I mean, one is hydraulic, or, and one is. I, I guess they're the same thing. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, Don't look at me. I mean, they both move. They both move metal. I think a, a press. Yeah, they move up and down. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. That the hydraulic press, yes. I think, just you know, is hydraulic powered, obviously, and uh -huh, it's maybe okay. a smaller footprint. But uh, you know, like a big power hammer. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure how all the internal uh, components work, but it's you know, it's much bigger and heavier and louder. <laughs> I would say it's a press, but uh, okay. Okay. I don't if if that requires its hydraulic run. I don't know if it is, hmm. but because uh -huh. I've seen I've seen the videos of Grand Swar's, um production facility and they have like uh forget, multiple stations you mentioned you mentioned the number but all these stations and the axe right. just goes in the sequence right um so it's almost like hand forging but just at this industrial scale mm -hmm. um, yes but it sounds like the process you're describing is a little a little bit more um the the image i'm getting in my head is like it's almost stamped out like it's formed perfectly each yes. time yeah, well, it it still goes through several steps, so it's not just bam. Sure. But um, yeah, it's it's like uh, it's like Grand Sports, but slightly more uh, more controlled. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> it's amazing how much thought goes into making one tool, isn't it? That's what I'm realizing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the design, the, uh, the ergonomics, the the metal, and uh the hardness and all that stuff yeah it's it's not as easy i would say to make a tool so no that's one one of the things that i've had i've done a you know a fair bit of forging for my pull lathe hooks primarily um mm -hmm. and i'm i don't really know anything about forging i mean i know how i know how to bang out some steel in the shape i need it to be and then make it sharp enough to cut green wood um mm -hmm. but once you start talking about like knives especially axes like mm -hmm. I, it's way over my head and i just well, you start talking about the metallurgical aspects and the the temperatures and the grains and yeah. all that stuff i just, it's just way over my head yeah. um and i've you know i've tried to understand it but i just <laughs> it's not really my passion so it's not something i put that much time into right um i'm just curious like did you have to do a lot of study to learn or just as or just as time went on it just started just because you had to focus so much on it, it just started to really click for you. Um, do you mean, yeah, well, so I, I, uh, I learned, I was like, um, you can say I was a trainee at Grand Force for six okay. months. Okay. And there I learned like the basics of the craft. And gotcha. then I worked at Wetterlings uh, for four and a half years. And there I was uh, like running the company. Hmm. So oh, nice. I, I did not learn, uh, I did not work and made the access myself, but I learned a lot about 
um, what can go wrong and mm. how what like I learned from all the employees their different ideas and tricks and mm. uh, these sort of things. Um, okay. nice. And then I learned from uh, Frederick, like he I took a metallurgy like school with him. Uh, mm. Uh, like a, a class that yeah. we did together um, and then I learned from his advice like because nice. he is a doctor so I can also just ask <laughs> him because he well, knows everything yeah what was his name yeah. again? Fredrik Hakonsen Fredrik? yeah Hakonsen I have no idea how to spell that sorry go ahead yeah, yeah PhD in metallurgy Metallurgy, yeah. Mm. And you said it's called uh, edge edge tool geometry or edge tool steel metallurgy. Okay, edge tool I mean, steel metallurgy. Metallurgy. I don't know how you say it. Yeah, yeah, metallurgy. Yep. Metallurgy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We got it. <laughs> I'm, yeah. just taking, I'm just taking notes for our show notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a science. It's very complex. Yeah, it's you very. Know, it's not easy as yes. a as a craft person who who you know uses tools all the time. I think it can be a bit daunting to learn um, how metal behaves and all the different things that metal can do. And obviously, there's so many different types of metals out there that are being used for for making tools. Every every type of metal behaves differently and requires a different yeah. quenching method and hard. You know. Um, yeah. And, and tempering method and so forth so yeah it's it's a complex mm -hmm. it's, it's a complex uh thing to learn yeah definitely my introduction to tool making i, I don't <laughs> know if i told this story or not but it's pretty funny i was at a i was at a course with robin wood and jared dahl and uh, a pole lathe turning course and they did a little segment on how to turn how to make your turning hooks and uh it was it was so stripped down it was i really appreciated it because it was like just no, no bullshit. Just this is literally how you take a piece of steel and make a tool in like 10 minutes. But the funniest thing mm -hmm. is in the process, um, Robin like overheated his steel and he turned it white. And then <laughs> it was just, yeah. he's using a, a angle grinder laying on its back, turned on and like yeah. using that as his grinding wheel. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it was very, um, it was very crude and, and lax. Hillbilly. Hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I make tools is a hillbilly yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, you just use them yourself, do you? Right. right. Exactly. I'm yeah. not. Yeah. That, yeah. And that was one thing when we talked to Reed Schwartz, um, we talked a lot about how it like kept him up at night that he would send a tool to somebody and it may not perform. It might have it right. some defect. Right. So I can see mm -hmm. as a profession, how you would start to obsess over certain details because right. there's, you know, the tool's not cheap. First of all, people are spending, you know, a lot of money, decent bit of money on it. So you want them to feel value, like it's a really good value. Um, yeah. So, so I can definitely see how it's different than if you carve a spoon, like yeah. it's wood, if it breaks, yep. I mean, it's wood, so it might break. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Whereas a tool, it's so much more scientific. It's like if you yeah. don't do certain steps, right. then that can lead to the failure, not so much it just like might break. Um, well, the failure can can be pretty pretty bad too. Like the right. last thing you want is someone using your axe, Julia, and like all of a sudden the axe just cracks yeah. and falls apart. Yeah. Like you know, you you 
you know, while mm-hmm. axing a whatever, a spoon or whatever. So like, yeah, I think there has to be a pretty rigorous process in testing the tool when it's done to make sure that it's going to last for however many years it's going to be in use for. Yeah. Yeah. And we have only had, uh, I mean, we have made uh, very, very many axes now. And we, we've bet. only had three, um, three hardening uh, warranty questions. Hmm. And I don't actually know if there was a hardening issue hmm. with them, but we just gave a new axe. But yeah. I, I feel very safe that the edge is very good like with this whole process and and i have very good um yeah like the hardening and is yeah i just feel very safe it doesn't keep me awake at night (laughs) i like reed (laughs) yeah yeah well he experiments a lot i mean he makes so many different tools it's yeah and he's also involved in every step of the process i mean he's he's forging he's hardening he's tempering i mean he's doing there's not he's he's a one-man operation so everything he does is kind of on him it's on him yeah (laughs) Yeah, versus, I'm you know, very sounds impressed. like you have a few I'm other. Very, uh, yeah, I'm very impressed by him. I like him a lot. Yeah, can you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about the axe grind? What kind of a grind you're putting yeah, on it, and and good. and is that something that you're you're doing yourself? Um, and if so, what, you know, tell us a little bit about the different grinds. I know a lot of people are yeah. a big fan of the the hollow grind, and some are just you know regular Scandi grind. So tell yeah. us tell us a little bit about that. I will. Uh, just my customer just uh, came in through the door, so I'm just gonna he- help him. I will be back sure. in one minute. Hang okay, on. no worries. Okay, I'm back. All right, we're just waiting for Mike. He went to the restroom. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so do you have a lot of customers that come through the shop to pick stuff yes, up? Yes, I do. Yeah. That's awesome. But we have, yeah. Uh, yeah, because you can choose to pick up, the, like, mm. uh, pick up, up, I don't know how you call, say that, but yeah. Yeah, so and how, we're also created central, so people uh, can drop by. So are most mm-hmm. of your sales, uh, how much, what's the proportion of sales that are within Sweden versus outside of Sweden? I think one third in Sweden. Oh, okay. And wow. uh, per- perhaps um, uh, one fourth, perhaps, in the US. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And then uh, perhaps one fifth in Japan. Interesting. Huh. Uh, and uh, yeah, rest of the world, like Europe and Canada and uh, sure. uh, well, China also, um, and Australia. Hmm. Yeah, all over the place. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I think the axe world is small, but the world is big. Sure. Yeah, it's a very the tool. Yeah. The whole tool world is very fascinating to me. Yeah. The the market for it and. All right, Mike's back. All right, I'm back. He, wa- he wants mm. to know about those axe grinds. Yeah, he's got an axe yeah. to grind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. So we, them? I use I used to to sharpen them with a flat bevel, but the best way I think to sharpen is with a slight concave. Hmm. And hmm. when 
when you want to have a slight concave, you want to have a really big wheel so mm. that the concave is uh, like the radius is bigger. Uh, and then the tip of the edge will be a little uh, stronger than if the wheel is smaller. Sure. So how big, how big a wheel are we, are we talking about here? I have 45 centimeters. So that's like in mm. inches, uh, 22. I don't know. Oh, that is a pretty big wheel. Okay. And this is on a, on a, like a, a two by 72 grinder or what, you, what kind of a, are you using, using like a belts, sanding belts? Yes. Sanding belts. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and the the um, angle is uh, just over 30 so mm. between 30 and 32 okay nice that's what we're aiming at yeah and yeah. we start with uh, uh, yeah we start with 40 and then we go to 120 240 and then we remove the burr and do like the final touch on the tormic mm -hmm. on the 4000 wheel Four thousand. Which is wow. yeah. Wow, that's pretty, pretty good. overkill. Yeah, it's pretty overkill for an axe. But uh, we could. It would be great to do it on two thousand. But they don't have a two thousand, so right. we just this use is, four thousand. This is a Japanese. <laughs> this is a Japanese what stone? Yeah. The four thousand grit uh, wheel you're using. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's nice. nice. This is mm. this is coming from a guy that likes to go up to sixty k. So yeah, I've gone as far 60K. as sixty thousand grit. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's where the, that's where the axe, name comes from. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Well, for an axe, that would be ridiculous. I know. Or it do you is, do yeah. that correct? No, yeah. I don't do that regularly. No, I, I, I just, you know, it's just, <laughs> it was a fun, it yeah. was a fun experiment. I went through once and I got a really nice mirror, <laughs> mirror finish. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was just fun to go through all the different uh, grit progressions just to kind of see the, how that you can, I mean, it's amazing how like you could really get a really, a nice high polish on a piece of metal. You know, it's just. It's mm. kind of cool to go through that process. I've gone through it maybe two times. That's it. <laughs> but now I usually stay around. I usually stay around three thousand grit is the highest I go mm. on on any edge tool. Three thousand grit. Mm. So. I have. A, I'm really curious about the wedging. Um, this is kind of a, a a debated topic in the axe world. Oh yeah. Um, and mm. I know, for example, Robin Wood had a bunch of issues that I personally experienced with some axes I got from him. Mm with mm -hmm. uh using the metal wedges yeah i see you just do a solid wood wedge um yeah what's your technique do you glue it do you is it just pressure what's what's the yeah i glue it okay. with the wood glue like regular glue uh -huh. and uh i don't use a metal wedge because at uh, grants for some wetterlings i learned that i mean if if the wedge comes out, the mm. metal wedge is not going to stop it. Mm -hmm. So right. it's not helping at all. It's right. just uh, if you need to fix, if if the head gets slightly loose or if the wedge comes out and you, you need to fix it, it's just impossible. It's not impossible. It's annoying yeah. to first have to remove the metal wedge and then fix it when you can just fix it straight away. Right. Right. So like it has no purpose. It just makes people <laughs> feel safe. Mm. Well, because when you look at it, it's like, ah, this is secure, but it's not. It doesn't. <laughs> it's just false uh, feeling of security, and you should yeah. instead wedge it really well mm. with the right angle, and you should mm. dry it, and you should have glue, and then it will 
stay i mean that's the important part um right well this is just my experience yeah. so i guess perhaps people have other opinions but i really believe this yeah yeah no i found that to be true because like i said mm-hmm. um i'd ordered a batch of axes from robin back in 20 2015 i think and uh mm-hmm. <clears throat> i had sold a few to different people and that whole batch all of the heads came loose within like a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, granted, they're going from, you know, one climate to another. So right. there's yeah. that whole shift, the moisture and all that yeah. stuff. Um, mm. And then shortly after, he ended up, I don't know if he, he, basically they had had all these issues with the axe heads coming loose. And mm-hmm. they did a test side by side where they did a batch without wedge, without the steel and one with the steel. And they found that all the ones with the mm. steel within a certain, like it was a pretty defined period of time the axe head would just come loose mm. and uh-huh. so they basically concluded that when you split the fibers with the steel because you're, you're you're cutting that wedge perpendicular right. um, yeah that it's just basically creating just enough space between the wood and the metal and then the axe yeah. head that it will just with force and time will just wiggle loose and there's right. yeah no very interesting it. so they got rid yeah. of the, the metal um and it was funny because it was like they were just doing it because that was the standard. Yeah. And, yeah. And then yeah. they found out it was unnecessary and it was this whole step they could just remove from their process. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's have just a better outcome. Unnecessary. So during my time at Wetterlings, we stopped doing this. Mm. Oh, nice. We used to do it and then we stopped. Yeah. I was going to say, like, looking at some of the old Grants Force Brooks axes, you can still see there is a metal wedge. Yeah. And I think at some point, yeah. like you were saying, I think both Grants Force Brooks and Wetterlings. Have transitioned out of that and mm-hmm. realized yeah. it's just an, an unnecessary step in the process that yeah. gives mm-hmm. you a false sense of security. <laughs> I yeah. just, I think that's interesting. Now you mentioned the angle of the wedge. That's that's something I've experimented because I've made a lot of axe handles, um, and I've I'm very again it's very similar to how I make my hook tools. I'm very crude hillbilly. <laughs> I got the hillbilly method. <laughs> or around here it's called a redneck. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very uh-huh. much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, but I'm curious, do you have a defined angle that you like your wedge to be? Uh, no, uh, or yes, I always do the same, but I don't know what it is. Okay. You just, you just found an angle by eye and it worked and you just stick to that. No, no, it's the handle, the handle copy turning, uh, place. Ah. They send that to me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Oh, so you get wedges from them is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, cool. I nice. don't want to do it myself. It's really easy to cut your fingers off. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm happy that they can supply them. Yeah. <laughs> I Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I noticed that I'm just looking at a picture on your Instagram um, mm-hmm. that proportionate to the width, it's almost, uh, it's it's the wedge. It looks like the final cut of the axe head or of the handle above the axe head. A little wider. The cross section. Yeah, the wedge is almost a little bit wider than the handle wood that's left. On either side well that depends on it differs so some handles are a little thicker than others i got you i see so you just so drive the wedge as deep as possible and then cut it to the same yes i drive them my hardest you what i drive them my hardest like the as much as i can yeah 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 that's cool i'm gonna have to try i think because i've had some issues with 
uh, I mean, I don't use glue. That might be my first issue. Yeah, I use glue. Um, mm-hmm. I need to start trying using glue. Maybe I need to have a steeper angle on my wedges because I think I've I've tried using too narrow of an angle. Yeah. Uh-huh. Recently, and then it just doesn't have the same wedging force. Yeah. Uh-huh. What, what yeah. I notice is like if you if you hold the axe up in front of you, after you've put the wedge in, the two sides of should the wood bulge. that should should kind of flare out yeah. just past the the eye. Yeah. yeah. The eye hole. Yeah. And as long as there's a little bit of a flare and that angle is just past the edges of the eye, that 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 handle is not coming yeah. off. And you know, with the wood yeah. glue, it's so strong that there's no way that's mm. gonna move or, or get the axe head off. That's kind of been my go-to uh, method to, to keep the the, the hammer mm. head on. Or and, you know, with like when I use a hammer, I'm I'm pounding yeah, hot steel. And it, yeah, I mean, there's so much more forces being uh, right you know, absorbed by the hammerhead and the handle, uh, when blacksmithing that, you know, you don't want that thing coming off. So that's kind of been my method. And, um, I had a question about the wedge as well, Julia, are you, is the different type, like what kind of wood are you using? Should should you use, should you use like a a softer wood? Should you use a harder wood? I mean, what's, what's, what are some of the pluses and minuses? I know that there is some people that say it's better to use softer wood. I think it has to do with that the glue is more easily attaching to the softer wood. I don't know. But okay. so at Transverse and Wetterlings, we have always used beech. Hmm. Uh, hmm. But I use ash because that's what I use for the handles. So that's okay. like the leftover, uh, the scrap becomes... Sure. Uh, right. Wedges. wedges and uh, i don't see why you should use a softer wood mm. i don't understand that i use a hard wood uh, because it's not cramming as much i think sure right yeah, so you I've... just want to push push out the wood more mm-hmm. right <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah. i have had some issues with um i've made a fair bit of axe handles out of uh red or white oak and um mm-hmm. i've noticed if i for example with with white oak especially i've noticed this again this is not using glue so that probably would change mm-hmm. change it but i've noticed if i use a white oak wedge and a white oak handle um the white oak is just so i don't know how to explain it it's almost like they're not t- together it's not creating enough friction mm. they're too similar mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. so i've had some issues with that but um Maybe glue would solve that for me. Yeah. Wood glue, man. Wood glue is the way to go. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you use glue? I mean, what's the I, idea behind that? I just never really thought to, to be honest. I guess I guess there are mm-hmm. some there are some advantages. Like the one thing I can think of, of for not using glue is that let's say that handle breaks. Yeah. Or something like that. The wedge yeah, out. getting it off of that head or whatever is probably much easier because yeah, wood glue is you know, <laughs> it becomes part of the wood. It's sure. just like it's just another layer and uh you'll have to drill it out. Yeah, it should, it should be. But there I mean, if if you if you break the handle, you still have to do quite a lot of work to get sure. it. I mean, right? It's that's not an argument or not a good reason. I think. Yeah, no, I need it. I mean, I, I understand some people think so, but I don't think so. Yeah, use the glue, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I need. I got plenty of glue. <laughs> yeah. Traditionally, before wood glue is invented, what do you think would people just not use glue and they just keep hammering their wedge in? They put a piece Perhaps. of metal there. <laughs> yeah, Be- before some, before that idea. <laughs> some uh, you can use the perhaps what you had on, like pine. What do you pine call resin? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, pine resin. Perhaps that's a little gluish, or yeah. I don't know. I'm sure they had some good stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the Japanese used rice glue. Um, mm-hmm. They would make some sort of uh, rice glue to 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 glue uh, wood together. So, not mm-hmm. sure if that was being used el- elsewhere in the world. Um, nice, but yeah, rice yeah, is sticky. So I'm sure mm-hmm. it was sticky. Yeah, this actually reminds me of a funny little uh, debate. I don't remember where this was. Uh, it probably was back in the Facebook when Facebook dominated the Sloyd realm before Instagram <laughs> took over. Yeah. Um, but I remember there was there was a discussion about glue, and uh, I think it was Jared Dowell actually. He was like, someone was it, was. it was a very purist argument. I was like, well, why would you use wood glue? It's not Sloyd or something like that. <laughs> it's not green. And he's like, if our ancestors had wood glue, they would have used it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. That's what my uh, my blacksmith uh, master teacher he told me that the welding like not fire welding but welding with a stick yeah like, or normal welding yeah uh, it was invent invite no invented by a blacksmith yeah nice so it it's like inside a box for a blacksmith to yeah, weld for sure it's same same you, idea okay. do you know how to weld uh no, but I do it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like me making hook tools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Well, it's. Do you have to get running soon? Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. In like ten minutes. Okay. okay. I had a quick question before we. Before <laughs> I guess uh, move on to some other topics here before you have to get going. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what makes a good axe? It sounds like you you you've kind of gone through the the whole you know research the R and D process to to figure out what type of axe works well for a lot of people, right? I mean, especially for for spoon carvers and bowl turners. Um, yeah. You know, as a beginner, like it's hard to find an axe that works. And I've gone, mm. I've I've used yeah. a bunch of different axes from Husqvarna to Grand Force Brooks to just some some random axe heads that i found on ebay and put a handle on myself um and i still think i haven't found the right axe like i've used the grants force brooks carving axe i liked Mm -hmm. it but i think it was somewhat heavy for me like it was a bit overkill it was a bit overkill for spoon carving right and i used it for bowl turning or for preparing bowl blanks bowl blanks for for the lathe and and it seemed to work well but it was really tiring using it because it was a Mm -hmm. heavier heavier axe so uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? What makes a good axe? And for someone who wants to buy an axe, what are they looking for? Yeah, so uh, I think that the best axe is the one that you don't think about. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like when you're <laughs> driving the car, for instance, if you have to think about uh, every time you're going to change, uh, what do you call that? Gears. Then it's not change gears. Yeah, then it's not a good car. You have to. You should think about the view and like, <laughs> yeah, the speed is great. La la la. Like that. So same with an axe. It should make your arm longer so you can focus on the wood and focus on like looking for the object you're making in the wood and stuff like that. Mm. So I think that um, a very heavy axe is very few people that uh, have have use for those extra uh, grams uh, because my, my axe is a little lighter but you can always like grab further back the, um, the handle and have more power so you have mm. 
I think Beth Moen's uh, students, they said about my axe that it is a small axe, but it feels like a big axe. Hmm. And <laughs> what they meant was that that it works for for both um, for both uh, both things. So, and I think with all tools or all tools are compromises between different yeah uh, um, uh, stuff. So I think this weight is a is a, a weight that works for many different things for many different people. So that I think that's pretty good. And then the, the other thing is, of course, the the edge that it has good edge retention, mm-hmm. and because no one likes to sharpen. I guess some people <laughs> like to sharpen, but you, you don't want to have to sharpen sure. all the time. You want to perhaps yeah. enjoy it, yeah, sometimes. But like so, so that's also a really important um, aspect. And then what what people say about my axe spontaneously is that it has a good balance and Mm. uh, that it feels good in the hand like that the Mm -hmm. shape of the handle is very yeah intuitively intuitively good or i don't know how to say it in english Mm -hmm. right yeah so i think perhaps these things but then i think yeah I think about it like being inside a box. Like there is a spectrum of carving axes that are like works mm. well to carve with. So, right. if you're inside the box of that, then you people will 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 be able to carve with it. And then it's uh, personal preferences with different things. And mm. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just uh, uh, yeah. Well, I think these things are some key stuff great right i like that you said that the axe you shouldn't even know it's in your hand it's yeah. just an extension of yeah. your arm that's it is. A, yeah mm. that's very true i have a couple axes that are like that that i just i can't get enough of using them because they're so nice right mm. <clears throat> and they're they're definitely hillbilly axes <laughs> <laughs> nice the they're ones i got type. on ebay and yeah supposedly they're like antique but i they're that's questionable claim. Yeah. Um, Once you've made the handles for as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure we could deep dive into a lot more subjects surrounding tools and sloyd um, rabbit holes, but we only have mm-hmm. so much time in a day. Yeah. <clears throat> um, is there anything you'd like to add to the conversation that we didn't cover before we ask you our famous last question? <laughs> uh, um. Well. No, nothing that I have like on top of mind, or I don't know. It sure. was really nice to to talk. I think that like we had a uh, many many nice questions and uh, a fun uh, time together. So yeah. thank you. Definitely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, for reaching out. And it's been a while. Uh, I guess. Like I was saying earlier, we were trying to get you on for a while and it finally worked out uh, that our schedules matched. So, yeah, we were glad to have you on. So our last question is, what does Sloyd mean to you? Oh, (laughs) Uh, well, Sloyd means... 
how should I say? It's uh, so for me, I really like to be in a state of mind where I have a flow, mm. uh, and it's also a little bit like manic that I <laughs> I'm resting very much, but I'm also I'm a very like forward. Um, like very striving very uh-huh. like, so I, <laughs> it's like sucking me sucking <laughs> suck me into something yeah, yeah um so it's just a state of mind that i love to be in mm. um and uh, i say i need it to feel good uh, in mm. my life mm. um and i also really enjoy the feeling I mean, you can think of it like being safe and know that you can like survive. But I, mm-hmm. I feel like I can, I can do anything with wood. <laughs> I can <laughs> like build a house or make furniture or make yeah. a spoon. It's like very existential. Yeah. And like so, when I made the skis, for instance, I like created my own transportation, and that allowed right. me to travel up a mountain, and that. <laughs> it makes me feel like a human being like mm. i can like i'm part of the world and uh, that's awesome like very yeah it's very <laughs> basic and also it makes me feel like um like i'm equal to nature mm. Uh, mm. like here mm. i am in this conversation with the wood because the wood has its own will and its own character so i really need to like communicate it's like when i make a uh a cut in it it's almost like i ask a question mm. like will this work yeah uh, good way to put it so I, uh, it's very humbling and um and also to be able to like to play with these very existential uh, yeah because existential it feels so serious like yes yeah. i can survive oh, mm. la, la. but it's nothing like that it's very playful and mm. and very uh, like just um inviting like oh here are some grass i can weave a hat it's like (laughs) very there are so many possibilities so many rabbit holes like endless that's awesome yeah that's a a great way to put it sloyd is the state of mind it's the state of mind yes yes it is it's it's in a therapeutic one rather yes yeah wonderful well what a better way to end it up yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, thank, thank you, you very what much, a great Julia. question. Yeah, thank you so much. And take care of both. All right, you too. You, you too, we will, uh, we'll catch up again, I'm sure. Yes, we will. Thank All you. Right, have a good afternoon. Right, bye-bye. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was awesome. Yeah, great conversation. She has a lot of knowledge. A lot she of, sure uh, does. A lot of skill, a lot of understanding. It's very cool. Yeah, it sounds like you know Sweden is the place to be. Like you know, <laughs> you like if you like short days and cold winters. No, yeah. Well, you know, you think about like the Swedes and the axes, you know, and some of the biggest makers yeah. of axes are in Sweden. You yeah. Know, and they make anything the Swedes make. I feel like is is very good quality and For it's, sure. it's world renowned. You know, from yeah. axes to whatever. Yeah. Um, so, what a great place to be to learn that craft and become an axe maker. Yeah, I would love to visit. I've got. My Norwegian roots, um, that must be my connection to Sloyd from Norway. Yeah. Thanks to my ancestors. One day, man. <laughs> One day. Um, well, shoot. I think this is going to be our two-year anniversary episode. 
Oh yeah, it was, we, it it was is June, June 2020. It was when we li- released our first episode. Yeah. So, geez, 16 episodes in two years. We're eight shy of where we thought we'd be. We both had kids. <laughs> That's true. We both had kids. Life happens. Um, right. But uh, let's see. We got a new website in the works. I mean, it's mostly done. So yeah. Uh, for whatever that's worth, we've got all our show notes on there. If you struggle with finding those in your apps or wherever you listen to, to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this now. All right. Um, let's see. This will come out beforehand, but we're doing a little, uh, calling this sol- solstice Lloyd shindig here at the farm. In- Not jam. Shindig. <laughs> <laughs> in Sedalia, Virginia. Uh, just uh, outside of Lynchburg, Virginia. So Mike and I are just hosting a small gathering. Anyone's welcome if you're listening to this and you live within reach. By all means, uh, head to our website, RSVP. We'll get you the details. Or if you want to travel. Yeah, or if you want to fly in. Yeah. By all means, we all are welcome. Yeah, uh, We'll be carving down by Reed Creek, swimming in the creek, carving, cooking out over open fire, just hanging out, having a good time. Uh, it's kind of... We're slowly working towards, I think, something a little bit more organized that we won't name yet just because we don't have any details on it. But uh, we're hoping that we can uh, create a bit of a gathering uh, of more size here, Mm. bring in some experts to teach classes. So if any of that tickles your fancy, let us know. We'd be uh, any any help with that would be great. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Getting a lot of good feedback on Instagram. It's just kind of our primary way of reaching out to uh, listeners. But now we have our website. We've got a newsletter. So please sign up for that because you never know with Instagram. I mean, it's a nice tool, but I hate to rely on that for our sole source of, you know, connecting to our audience. So we've got a newsletter building. Uh, we've, you know, we're in the works. We've got some, some merch we're working on. We're taking our time just so we don't rush it out. And, mm. um, but we're slowly making this thing a little more... Uh, legit i guess yeah <laughs> but uh keep sending in your uh guest requests we've gotten i don't know a good handful of people have yeah sent in some requests so we're just yeah, it's an interesting process being a podcast host because uh we've gotten a little bit of uh, harsh feedback <laughs> about our our guest selection which I, I thought was a little bit unfair and uh from coming from people that don't know what it's like to organize a podcast. But right. for example, getting Julie on here was, uh, it's been in the works for what? Yeah. A few four months now. months now. Yeah, it's been a while. So, you know, we're dealing with time zones. You're dealing right. with different schedules. It's not easy yeah. to line these up. So there's a bit of work that goes into these. So right. if you appreciate them, please share the show, let people know about it, uh, at the very least. And, uh, if you want to support us financially, Throw us a couple bucks. Let us know. We don't really have any formal way to do that yet. We're still working on that. But uh, I did get an email from some guy who wanted to donate, but then he never got back to us. Right. You know, this does cost a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we will, as time goes on, we'll be coming up with more structured ways. If you really get a lot out of this and you want to hear more of these more frequently to uh, send us some Help. some financial support that will allow us to uh, make more time for this in our yeah. lives. Yeah. And let's not forget we do this on our own time. Exactly. This <laughs> is, yeah, this is a labor of love. We've invested time and money. Yep. Um, and we really enjoy it. These conversations are priceless in my opinion. Oh, for sure. So, let's see. I think that's it. Yeah. On that note, slow it out. Slow it out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>